Welcome to the Faith in the Messy Middle podcast. I'm your host, Jenny, a regular Jesus-loving girl, just like you, trying to figure out how to keep the faith in the messy moments of life. Ever find yourself thinking, man, wouldn't it be great if God gave us a user's manual to get through life? I believe he does, through his word and the stories of others. On each episode, I'll be chatting with women who have gone through some very messy middle moments and have kept faith by their side. It is my hope and prayer that in hearing his word and their stories, we will grow in our relationship with God and be reminded of his immense love for us, that we'll be able to keep the faith as we continue to walk through this messy thing called life. Welcome back and happy Easter week. Christ is risen indeed. Hallelujah. I'm so excited to share this episode with you and the way that the timing of this one ended up lining up. I met Annie, the guest on our episode today, when she was going through one of her messiest middle moments. And she actually was introduced to me by Rebecca, the guest I had on our last episode. I wish I could take credit and tell you that I had planned it all out this way, but I absolutely did not. The timing of these two episodes being back to back was a complete God thing. And just for me, another reminder that God is always working Even when we don't see it, even when we don't even realize we need him to be working, he is always working on our behalf. I want to take a moment and thank Annie for being brave enough to share her messy moment that she found herself in. It's not easy to talk about the choices that we made before we knew Christ. It's not easy to go back to those places where we felt so broken and lost and hurt. But it is our hope that through this conversation, that another woman who may be finding herself in a similar place will have hope and know that she doesn't have to make the same choices that she knows that she is loved regardless of whatever choices she has made, and that God will redeem her and use every part of her story to share his message of hope with the world. So now my conversation with Annie. Annie, will you go ahead and tell uh, the listeners a little bit more about who you are, kiddos, family, life, all of that? My name is Annie, and I was born in Melbourne, Florida, um, but then grew up in Orlando for most of my life, like elementary, middle, high school. I was um, started dancing at a young age, oddly enough. So it's probably not odd. I feel like a lot of people do that (laughs) as a kid, but I just loved it. Like Jenny, it was literally my passion. I was at the dance studio like six, seven days a week, um, started doing competitive dance, probably when I turned about 14, traveled a lot with my mom. And then a little fun fact about me is that I danced at Disney and I got paid for it. Um, When I was 10 years old, um, there was 2000 kids that like came to this audition and they only picked 10. And so I spent that whole year like dancing at or like practicing at Disney, going underground. And I was the green duck, Louie. I'm actually wearing my shirt that says I'm done adulting. I'm going to Disney. So I didn't know that about you. Yeah. Yeah. So fun. These days I live in Georgia. I don't claim to be a Georgia girl just yet. I'm learning (laughs) the mountains and all of that. I'm I'm a beach bum through and through. Um, But we are a little north of Atlanta in a little sweet town called Sugar Hill. Um, is where me and my husband, Josh, and my three daughters, Marie, Madison, and Charlie. Tell us a little bit about how did you become a follower of Jesus? I grew up in a wonderful family. Um, They provided financially. Um, They were wonderful, Um, but we did not grow up going to church. Um, I think we were like the Creasters where we would go like during Christmas and Easter. <laughs> Creasters, yes. And like, I just remember like leaving church and my dad being so upset, like, 
literally just so frustrated about the traffic. Like it was just like, did we learn anything? (laughs) (laughs) So all that to say, did not really have a faith growing up at all. Um, at about 16 years old, there started to be some just turmoil in my family. My parents were going through a really nasty divorce. Um, they took me out of dance, which was like I said earlier, like just, I spent so much time. It was where I found just that grounded space just to be me and be free. They, I took me out of dance and then moved me my summer going into my junior year of, to a different high school. So yeah, I know. Um, and I just, you know, I've listened to your podcast and I love how you talk about how community, but like, and you know, community can be good or bad. Like, and the community that really reached out to me first, the, the kids were just the partiers. And so that was 16 years old. I started just really dibble dabbling and just a lot of unhealthy behaviors. Let's be honest. Like if it was there, I would do it. Started, you know, being promiscuous and just kind of filling in those spaces. Like I had these holes in my heart and I was just filling it with things that, you know, of the world that I thought would help. Um, so then by 21, I was like, what is happening with my life? It was almost like a freeze frame, Jenny, where it was like, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Whoops. How did I get here? Mm-hmm. And I say all of this because I called a family meeting and I said, Hey guys, like, this is what I'm doing. I've been using drugs. I've been, you know, acting this way. And it was like, I need help. So I essentially did my own intervention, um, with my family. And I think that was maybe the first time my dad and mom had been in the same room since they were divorced. So it was a, it was a big deal. We're getting everybody together to, to tell them like, I need help. One of the women that I used with she had this lady's number and she said, you know, this is, this is a place you can go to get help. Had no clue, no clue. Drove to this town, um, Umatilla. It was like 45 minutes North of Orlando. Me and my dad went, I'll never forget it. I looked to the right. I looked to the left. It was nothing but cows. <laughs> I'm a pretty city- sure at that time they still only had one stoplight. Like yeah. it's a tiny, yeah. tiny little tiny town. <laughs> yep. Umatilla, Florida, one stoplight. I was like, this is not home. I'm a beach bum. I'm a city girl. Like where's my like fancy places. So went to the place called the Ruth house and the Ruth house. I did not know, but what I needed and what I needed in my life was Jesus. And that's what the Ruth house provided. It was a Christian women's facility that basically led me to Jesus. And so all of that to say, that is essentially how I became a follower of Jesus is through my addiction and through my struggles. Um, and I love that. My story is full of so many mistakes, so many wrong turns, so many things to share. And when you were like, Hey, I want you to pray about this and share, you know, specifically about the abortion, I got really nervous and I was like, God, why, like, why? And I will be honest, like, this is that part of my story that like, he's still growing and healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really excited to share, to share about that with your audience and with you. And cause I know it's safe. Basically when I showed up at the Ruth house, I showed up at the Ruth house December or June, 2010. And at that point I was about 21, 22. And I 
you know, was not taking it seriously in a sense. Like my dad was still paying for me to go there. He would pay the hundred dollars every week. He would also put money in my account as well for going there, which, you know, he just did the best. Like he, no, no hate, like at all. Like he did what he thought was best for me. He wanted this sickness to be gone. He asked Rebecca the first day I showed up to the Ruth house. I'll never forget this. He said, how long is this going to take? Like 30 days, here's my money, fix my daughter. And Rebecca looked at my father and I'll never forget this moment. We're sitting on the front porch. And he said, she said, this is going to take the rest of her life. And I, I, it's true. It's so Mm -hmm. true. Like we're constantly healing and growing those, those spaces of weakness, you know, in our hearts. So I showed up and oddly enough, Jenny, I started to feel like something's up, like something's not right. (laughs) What's going on. And I was like, I think I may be, I think I'd be pregnant. Like holy Toledo, I just came out of a nightmare essentially. And now I'm in this like welcoming space where I'm hearing about Jesus. I don't really believe it yet. Like I, it's just, it's just kind of a, a fog. Let's say I'm in a fog. So I go to Rebecca and I share with her like, Hey, I think that I need some, like, I, I think I may be pregnant. And Rebecca did not like react how I thought she'd react, like mad, angry, whatever. She's like, Hey, I have this place, which she talked about in her podcast last <laughs> week. Just so cool. God's timing. She said, I have these friends, these ladies that, that are running this, um, pregnancy center. It's called life's choices. Like, let's go. I'll go with you. We go, I believe she takes me, um, to this, to this pregnancy center and the pregnancy center was incredible. I mean, but honestly, Jenny, in my mind, I already had it made up. Like my parents will be so mad at me. I think my main the main person I was trying to get approval from was always my father. I was always searching for him to fix things, to, to clean up the messes, to approve of me. And so I knew immediately when this happened, like, I'm definitely getting an abortion. There was no way that I could imagine my life with a child. I didn't have a husband. I didn't have any money. I was literally living in a women's facility. So Rebecca found out that I was pregnant. And she said, Hey, like, can you just wait one week before you make the decision? Cause I was like, Oh, I'm definitely going to get, go through with this. And Jenny, like it breaks my heart thinking about like Rebecca back then. Like I texted her yesterday. What were you go- like, what were you thinking? What were you going through? And she said, it was really hard to watch me already have my mind made up. She knew I was going to hurt from it. And I didn't, I didn't like grasp that just yet. It was essentially I told my father, I never told my mom, I told my father and it was like, yep, we're going to get that taken care of. We're going to leave the Ruth house. We're going to go to the beach. We'll kind of stay away for a couple of days and then you'll go back to the Ruth house. So that's what I did. I'll never forget the day that I went into, um, the abortion clinic. It is what you think. I mean, there was picketers outside screaming obscenities of don't do this. It's not the right thing, but I didn't know God yet. Like I didn't have any type of conviction or Holy spirit guiding me to, to, so, so I don't blame my dad. I don't blame anybody. It was just, it's just my story. And so afterwards we, you know, went to the beach and it was like, all right, swept under the rug, swept under the rug. Like that was just a theme in my life. So went back to the Ruth house and Jenny, it was like a checklist, like, okay, I'm supposed to memorize scripture. Let me check the list. I'm supposed to show up to AA. Okay. I'm checking the list. Oh, but like that part of my heart was so broken and I didn't know it needed mending. Like 
I pretty shortly after left the Ruth house for a guy and went back to my old ways. So I was out for about six months, like just in real, real world. And then I will never forget what brought me back to the Ruth house was I was my last time in jail. It was the second time I had been arrested for, it was the first DUI, second time I've been arrested. And I called my dad and I said, Hey dad, like, um, I need help. Like I, I really need help. And he was like, I cannot help you anymore. Like, can I help you? I'm done saving you. Cannot help you. And I always say like, that was the best thing he's ever done for me. It really made me go, what am I going to do? Like, what am I going to do now? And the only number that I had was Rebecca's and the only amount of glimpse of hope, which I know is God and the Holy spirit now, like planting these seeds inside of my heart, walking with Rebecca, walking with the women there. I called her and I said, Hey, I have nothing. Can I come home? Can I come home? It's exactly what I said. I just like, I haven't really said that out loud, but I did. I said, can I come home? And she said, yeah, you can come home. When I got there, it was like real deal this time. It was like, okay, we got to work through some things. We got to talk about the addictions. We got to talk about all of this. And then I got to um, walk through, which I would say was the most healing journey I had ever been on with the abortion. There was a few women that Rebecca had introduced me to through the church through the pregnancy center. And they had a, um, they had a Bible study called forgiven and set free. And they like essentially just kept, it was like, I didn't, when I went back to the Ruth house the second time, I just surrendered completely. And he kept putting people in my life that would, the people that I needed and like things that I needed to do essentially. So he put these women in my life. They mentioned this Bible study, Forgiven and Set Free. And when I tell you, Jenny, it changed my life. Like it forever changed my life. The Forgiven and Set Free Bible um, study was a six week um, study. If you haven't heard about it, a lot of pregnancy centers offer this. I had no idea what I was getting into. At that point, I had graduated from house, you know, was really active in church, kid ministry, really walking with God, became baptized. Like my life was changing. Like my life was completely changing because of Jesus. My family recognized it, um, walked through some really tragic things at the Ruth house. My dad passed away in the middle of the night while I was at the Ruth house. Um, and so I got to experience real community through that grief, stayed sober through all of that. But it was like, the last piece of my story that he really wanted to heal was the fact that I did have an abortion before I knew him, like before God was a part of actively a part of my life before I let him in my heart. Mm -hmm. And so at the time I was living with Brad and Rebecca and I laugh now, but it was like protection that I lived with them during this time. So this is some tough stuff. People, we are like, opening up our hearts to go like, what happened? What was the choice that you made? Okay. The choice that you made was abortion. Okay. So now that you're walking with Jesus, like that's a life. Okay. So that smacked me in the middle of my face. Like I killed a life, like being very transparent, like every other sin in my life felt excusable or no, it felt forgivable. This specific sin did not feel forgivable. And that's probably why I still get a little choked up or I still get a little uncomfortable sharing about it is when I think about it without the context of God, when I 
about it as harming a life when that happens in every day we it's we don't look at them as the same every time I would walk back through the doors from a night of this bible study I would break down in tears and just cry in Rebecca and Brad's arms just cry like wow this is this is a lot this is going through a lot um there were some really special sweet moments during that time we you know, I was prayerfully seeking Jesus with these women guiding me and God gave me the fact that that was a baby boy, which was really pretty cool. I don't uh, get to talk about that much. And that, that then he gave me a name for that baby boy through this Bible study. Um, and that name is Caleb, which I don't believe I've even shared to most of my family. So I love y'all. <laughs> <Your family. laughs> and that was just like, I tell you all of this because it was really hard but God is so gentle through those really, really hard times. If we completely trust in his ways and like surrender and just, and just accept like his, what he's telling us, his truth. Like I blotted out your transgressions, Annie, I forgave you. You're made whole. You're made new. Like being able to really grasp that, but then walk through the hard stuff was so freeing we had a ceremony for the, our babies. I walked through this Bible study with two other ladies. They will forever be family to me. We had a ceremony. I got to write Caleb a letter, um, and just talking to him about, you know, the choice that I made and how I'll be able to see him again. And, you know, it was a lot, it was a lot. Um, but it was really freeing. Um, I highly recommend that this study, um, you know, for women that um, are struggling with forgiving themselves for, for an abortion at the same time, which is really cool uh, back to like the sweetness of God. At the same time, I was being introduced to who is now my husband. Um, he knew I was walking through something really difficult, but I did not like divulge what that was, Jenny. It was just like, this is just a study I'm doing with some women. It's really deep, you know, and he's like, cool. Like he knew about the addiction because he knew I was at the Ruth house. Mm -hmm. He knew about everything, but this, and I tell you that because no detail is lost. Um, and God can use every single thing, um, and does use every single thing. Um, I'll never forget the first night Josh and I met in person. We talked on Facebook messenger for three months. Uh -huh. in person. I heard I was going to love his voice. So to hold on, <laughs> that's a good laugh. Jenny knows Josh. Uh, Jenny's husband, Mark is like best buds with Josh and they grew up together and went through a lot mm -hmm. together. We sat on the couch after we had fish tacos and we walked around the block and I said, um, Hey, like, I just need to share this with you. And I just divulged everything about the abortion and the way that he responded was truly like a gift. And it was how God responds to us. Like he sat with me, holding me as I'm weeping and he weeped with me and that image I'll never forget because I felt like, how is this Christian man? Why would a Christian man like him want this imperfect drug addict, baby killer person that, and God is like, because of me, because of me, because of what I did for you, you can now walk in that freedom and I will give you far more than what you think you deserve. And I hold on to that because that gift of 
of my husband and of that moment is just super sweet. Like he did not say, I cannot believe you did that. He did not respond with, you should be so ashamed of yourself. Like he responded how Jesus responds to us. He weeps with us because his heart breaks for us because he knows that sin like separated us from him and it hurt me. And I go back to Rebecca when she waited that week to pray for me, to pray maybe for me to keep the baby. I asked her, I said, how hard was that? And she's like, it was, um, it was hard because at that point there was nothing she could do. Like it was, she knew it was going to break my heart either way. And I think that's a big, the misconception about abortion. And if I can say this, I feel like people think you just, it's gone. Mm -hmm. We're that's fixing the problem. The problem is the baby is not the problem, but the, like, it's always going to be a part of your life, regardless if you kept the baby or not. And so Mm -hmm. I think Rebecca knew there was a long journey of healing ahead Mm -hmm. and that probably, it could have took me out. It could have taken me back to my old ways. It could have taken me, you know, I think that's where the heartbreak for her was not like, can't believe you're doing this more like, can't believe you're going to go through a lot, babe. Like, this is going to be really hard. Like, I know you have God, but I pray that you push him to him. Mm-hmm. One more cool little thing. Um, that night when Josh was holding me and I caught my breath and I stepped back, he literally looked at me and said, Annie you know, he jokes and says he wanted, to, he was ready to be married at 21. <laughs> I said, you wouldn't have wanted me at 21, <laughs> but he says, God literally started shifting his mind like six months before we met that. Well, maybe it was more, maybe it was like a couple years before we met that God started shifting his mind to be like, maybe your wife will not look like the single woman that you think. Like, no, I mean, like maybe your future wife may have a kid. Mm -hmm. And I know that's God saying, regardless of your choice, it would have always been Josh. And he, that once again, it's just that little reminder of like, I was there with you. Like I'm there with you. I'm working for your good in all things. You said so many things in there that I think are so important to, to touch back on. One of the biggest ones that I think you said is that, there is no condemnation in Christ, regardless of the sin. And it is easy for us in our flesh to rank them like, okay, this one's not that bad, but this one, this one's, this one's bad. And at the end of the day, sin is sin and God doesn't want it for us. And he doesn't want to be a part of it. And that is why Jesus came. And when we accept that we're not condemned, regardless of whatever the sin was that we committed, we're not condemned. He said, I died to, to wash that all away. And so I think when you said that, Josh cried with you and met you in that hurting place. That is exactly what Christ does with us and for us. I mean, he, we just recently uh, listened to a sermon on Lazarus and the raising of Lazarus and how he responded to the two sisters differently with one. He gave her a, a truth, a promise to hold on to. And with the other one, he just simply cried with her Yeah, and he meets us exactly where we are and gives us exactly what we need. And I love that you shared that. The other thing that I thought was really neat as you were sharing your story is that you mentioned your whole life that you relied on your dad to be the place where you got your acceptance. Mm-hmm. And in the moment when that person was removed from your life, yeah. you were in a place where you knew 
God is where I get my acceptance and always have and always will moving forward. And I just thought the timing of that, again, just God is so good to us and has far better plans than what we could ever, ever dream up for the woman who's already walked through having an abortion. What is something that you would want to share with her if she's if she's in that place of feeling the condemnation and the heaviness of her decision? What's something that you would want to share with her? I love this question, Jenny, because I would first say, believe it or not, one in four women have had an abortion to remember that and to remember that when we share in a safe space, he shows up for us. I'll never forget when we got married and we moved to Georgia. I knew no one. Actually, some of my friends from Umatilla were a little nervous for me to move because they were like, <laughs> too soon, don't leave. Started going to the church Josh was working for. And I was literally hanging lights on a wall at, with this woman, one of my first days there. And me and her somehow were like, oh my goodness, you, me too. And all of that to say, let God use it. When we keep it hidden is where the enemy, I think, I feel like you've said this a few times in your, in your podcast. It's like, when we keep that part hidden, bring it to the light, sister, like bring it to the light. I have a group of women that I walked with when I first moved here and I did not tell them about the abortion girl. I said everything else under the sun when I shared my story. <laughs> and then we added a couple more women to the group. And we retold our stories and God said so clearly, share it all. And I knew exactly what it meant. So yeah, I would just say, you know, just know that there's a lot of people dealing with it. It's not something we wear proudly, but it is something that God can restore and help you speak to women that are struggling with the same thing. I would love for you to share a little bit about the ministry opportunity that you're starting to get involved with now. And I, again, it just speaks to the fact that there is no condemnation in Christ and he will use every part of our story, every mess that we've made to be able to share his message. And so I just, when you shared with me what you're doing now, I just, it, I love those God winks where he's like, yeah, yes, yeah. I redeem all of it. So what, what are you involved with now? I get the privilege to go back to the Ruth house every now and then when I make trips to Orlando and I get to go back and just speak into the women's lives and just be with them. And that's probably the, just, it's one of my favorite things to do is, you know, they're brand new in the home and they're at their lowest. And I'm like, Hey, been there, done it. You don't quit before the miracle. Um, but I will be honest, I was feeling some tension up in Georgia because I couldn't get plugged into a place that was like that. Like you have to know people. Like I knew Rebecca, I could just walk into the house and like sit in a counseling session. Like these people are like, why do you want to help? And I'm like, oh, I was an addict. And they're like, oh, I trust you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's like, believe me, I'm trustworthy. Um, I do have references. So, but all that, <laughs> all that to say, I was feeling a little bit like, how is God going to use me? Like with my, with this in my life now I have three, three kids, like I'm working and I'm like, do I have time? Do I have time for it? Well, that woman that I talked about earlier, how we were like, Oh, you, me, me too. Like we remain very close friends because when you talk about that, you go deep. And that's, that's what I love. <laughs> we would meet for coffee. We stayed in each other's lives. We worked together and 
one time at coffee, I was like, I just really feel like I need to get plugged in. I talked to my counselor for like a year. I, I want to like give back. I'm not really sure. I kept thinking addictions, addictions, addictions. And then, but not really, because it's a lot of work. I watched Rebecca. I watched Rebecca <laughs> with those women. It's a lot of work. Well, the woman was like, at coffee said, Annie, I'm on the board of directors at this women's pregnancy center here in our town. And I was like, no, <laughs> she said, yes. She said, come to the gala, come to the gala and just see. And I knew I had been wanting to like give of our money, give of my money, our money, like, and I wanted to give of my time. And so I went to this gala, super cool moment. Um, cried my eyes out the whole time. Like just knew I was supposed to be there. It was really great to see some familiar faces too. And with that, I was like, this is where I'm to serve. Like, this is where I want to give my time. Will I have the right words? Because it's such a touchy subject. I said, me, I'm going to serve. Um, and so I am going to be, I have not officially yet. So you're going to bring me back on to talk about that. <laughs> I have trained and I am pretty sure that God has the person for me. Um, sweet lady says she's been holding on to this woman. Um, basically I'll be a mentor. Mm -hmm. And what that means, Jenny, is these women have decided to keep their baby and it was a hard decision for them. They were really unsure, but they've decided to keep their baby after going through this, um, this summer. And then they will meet with me as their mentor one at a time, I think once a week. Mm -hmm. And I said, why, what's the incentive of, of them meeting with a mentor? And she said, well, they get baby bucks for their store. And I said, what am I going to be talking to them about? Mm -hmm. I said, and love to meal prep and work out. <laughs> She's like, I'm sure they'll ask. I'm sure you can help them with that. But that's the beautiful thing though, is I don't know what I'll be talking about, but I do know that God is going to use what I've been through, what I'm still growing through to support them in a decision that I did not make. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that's like only God, yep. like only God. Yeah. I think that's another theme that's come up in the last couple of episodes is that the place where we found our, our Jesus moment in that messy was in serving with other women. You talked about, you were hanging lights at a church or something with this lady and she's become like this, this person for you. And Rebecca mentioned, she just happened to go to church and this lady linked arms with her and her mind, it was a woman who invited me to do a fitness community with her. Mm -hmm. And I just want to encourage all the listeners. If there is a lady in your life, they're like, I need to chat with her, mm -hmm. go and chat with her because you have the gift and the potential to change yeah. where her life will go. And so the fact that you met with this lady hanging lights, and now you're going to get to walk through life with women who chose to keep their babies. And that is a scary road to travel. Yeah. Whether you're single, married, you had substance abuse. It doesn't matter. Parenting, <laughs> especially in our world today, it's, yeah. it's an uphill battle. And yeah. I'm just so excited that again, another reminder that God has fully redeemed you and he wants to use you regardless of what you've gone through. And the fact that you were able to accept forgiveness for yourself so that yeah. you can now go serve, because if you kept holding on to that and said, I'm unforgivable, I'm unforgivable. Yeah. It's easy for people to think, oh, they love Jesus. They understand forgiveness. There yeah. are things, and I would bet all of our lives where God's like, no, no, I want you to surrender that too. It might be a big thing and it might be a small thing, but 
accepting forgiveness is the only thing we can do that allows him full access to showing us how else we can serve. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said. And I will double tap, like thumbs up, love. <laughs> please show up for that woman. Like just show up. Um, listen to like what you said, when God is nudging you women, I feel like hide behind this, how I'm supposed to be. And I, I just, I pray in the name of Jesus that you can be real with people and they can be real with you and you can weep together because Mm -hmm. we need more people to show up, showing up for people. Is there anything else that you would want to share a piece of scripture or something for women who are walking through something that they feel is unforgivable, that they've, they've walked through already and they feel like, I don't know how I can forgive myself or accept forgiveness for this. I am like a list checkoff person. And what I would want them to know is that it's a run on sentence. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And it is not like a, you had an abortion period. Like God is so good to just like, keep using that doesn't mean it's always easy, but I would just encourage you that like growth takes time. And for me, I wanted to be like, Oh, I'm healed from the abortion. Close that chapter, move on. No, (laughs) I had kids. Oh, do I deserve these kids? Oh, was that boy? My only boy, like, Oh, enemy in the name of Jesus, not from not, not important. Like obviously doubts that I want to bring to Jesus, but I would just encourage you that like, if it keeps coming up, that's okay. Keep going back to him Mm -hmm. because he's going to grow that like growth is happening. I feel like up and down and the peaks and the valleys and all around if we allow it to. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I would say one of the scriptures, I actually have two and the one that I really remembered and loved when I was at the Ruth house was just Matthew 11, 28, 29, just come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. That was it. Like Jenny, I was at the end of me. Like I had nothing else to give. And when I came to him being weary, being burdened, being broken and bruised and battered, And I said, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. I'm taking up your yoke. I'm going to learn from you because you are gentle and humble. I didn't know what that meant. (laughs) Never experienced that before. And you gave my soul rest. That was just one of my, one of my absolute favorites during that season. The second scripture that I would um, highly recommend that you learn and just keep repeating is, um, Second Corinthians five, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And I just feel like God has been using that over and over again. And it's, and it's not like a, the news here and now the old's gone. It's like, I was given this visual Jenny, when I was thinking about this is like the, like a snake sheds its skin. Like, it's just, we're constantly having to remind ourselves. We're constantly having to shed that old way of thinking. Um, but then you look back, like I look back at 2011, like it's 2023. That feels like a nightmare. Like it feels like a bad dream. It doesn't feel real. Like the way I think, the way I process, the way I live could further from 2011. And that's all because of 
the new creation, renewing the mind, Mm -hmm. surrendering and women in my life that were like, you need this Bible study. You need this healing. You should get baptized. You should memorize scripture. Like I joke with Rebecca, you have to put this in there. I say, you could have been giving me like Kool-Aid, like you could have been a cult leader for all I know. And I would have followed you because you had something that was so foreign to me. Um, And I just pray that you and me can continue to be that light for people um, that don't have Jesus and that our light would be so attractive by the way we lived, the way we spoke, the way we treated people, the way we responded to people Mm -hmm. that they would want to know more about this Jesus. And how can you be so confident after you went through so many bad things, you know? Mm-hmm. I've heard people say, oh, it's easy because you're a Christian or, oh, life's so good. And Mm-mm. I think it's when you sign up for this, God's word tells us you will face trials of many kind. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that life's easier, but we know how it, it plays out. We know the end. We know that he wins and that there's nothing in this world, no matter how painful it is for our flesh to walk through, mm-hmm. that he didn't conquer on the cross. Mm -hmm. And so whatever it is that a woman's going through that she feels is unforgivable, Mm -hmm. he handled it. And like you said, we just have to be open to taking that. And I love the run on sentence that it's not just a one time I talked about, I journaled about it, prayed about it, move on. It's a continuing renewal and that new creation and, and being open to being that new creation. So, and I just so appreciate you sharing your story so openly and I appreciate that you're never afraid to be exactly who you are and share how you got to be here because Mm -hmm. it's so easy. It would have been so easy to never, if I met you today, I would have no idea that that was, like you said, the 2011 life, you no idea that that was who you are. And you're not afraid to share that because you know, someone else is walking through that and you want to show them this is what's possible. Yeah, this is what's possible. And I never, you know, I never want to forget where I came from because apart from God, like I know what I am, I know what I'm capable of. Yeah. And, um, I'm thankful for that story. I've had people, Jenny be like, I kind of wish I had a story like that to, to, to feel and know and experience God. And I'm thankful for my story and I'm thankful for women like you who met me in 2011 you know, you're my age. Like I saw you as like, you had it together. And I learned that, you know, we all, we all have our stuff. Right. But I met you and you've been a part of my life ever since in these cool different seasons, but you never judged. You never were afraid to come close. You never were. I think that's the beautiful thing about Jesus that I learned and his people that I met were, they didn't want anything from me. They just wanted things for me. And so I would just encourage us all to live like that, you know, just wanting better for people. Mm-hmm. You're thankful for this story as hard as it was to walk through. It made you exactly yeah. who you are today. So, yeah, I would love to pray with you and for, um, for the unforgiveness in our hearts. Heavenly father, thank you so much for just being available to us. Thank you for um, making a way that we can come to you. Um, whether it be morning, night, right now, God, I thank you for the goodness um, that you've given us, Lord. I pray right now 
in your heavenly name, God, that the woman that is just walking with the shame, Lord, and just hiding these, Lord, um, whether it be abortion or just um, any other unforgiveness she has in her heart, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring women uh, to surround her that would be able to hear her and see her and love her right where she is, God. You bring those things, and I know you will, Lord. I just pray um, that we can all remember that what you did was enough on that cross, and that the enemy is the only one that is wanting us to carry this junk from our past into our future, God. And I love how Jenny always says, the enemy messes with our past because he doesn't know our future, God, but you do. You know our future, and we rest and we praise in that greatness that you know that you've created it. You're writing our stories, Lord. And we just pray for boldness in this culture and in this world to stand alone, to stand firm in your truth. We love you. And we are so thankful for you and for the doubting God, be real to them, come to them in exciting ways, God, that they would feel you and see you and open up our hearts to do the same. We love you so much. And we're so thankful for you. I'm thankful for Jenny and her heart and the obedience that she has um, walked in to continue with this podcast. I thank you for her creating the space. And I just pray favor over her family and her children and use to lead women. You and I love you, God. We are so thankful for you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode. My prayer is that you are encouraged to continue to keep the faith in your messy middle moments and to share your testimony his testimony of faithfulness. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and share this episode with a friend who may need that reminder to keep the faith. I'm always looking for testimonies to feature. If you'd like to share yours with me, email me at faithinamessy at gmail.com. Until next week, praying for you and whatever messy moment you may be in.